Hey everyone, you're listening to Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional ridiculous chats about everything that we seem to think but don't say. Very little is off limits. Sit back, enjoy, and let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Wild Woods Hippie. Hey there, beautiful souls. Do you want to find unique, one-of-a-kind products for a -a one-of-a-kind individual like yourself? Handcrafted with love and a little magic, because who doesn't need a little magic in their lives? Amazing, beautiful, handcrafted candles and everything that you can imagine for self-care and love. Make sure to check them out. Trigger warning, the following episode discusses childhood trauma and may be a touchy subject for some listeners. and welcome into another episode of Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. Today we're discussing childhood trauma. If you have had experience and you have had trauma as a child, it's likely that you have or are experiencing PTSD later in life. And a lot of people seem to be very confused in regards to what childhood trauma actually is. It does not only consist of physical, but can be emotional or sexual abuse, but also exposure to traumatic events as well. And children often respond differently with trauma, depending on their developmental age, culture, previous exposure to trauma, and available resources, even access to the need of having to feel that they have someone that not only believes them, trusts them, but wants them to discuss their feelings. And this actually leads us to where we are today in life. It can lead to separation anxiety, sudden new fears, behavior, self-esteem issues, as well as having the inability to trust any form of a relationship once you become an adult. So today I have a very special guest. She is a great friend of mine. Her name is Jess, and she's going to be our guest today to talk about how childhood trauma does affect you in the day-to-day when you're growing up as an adult. So hello there and welcome in. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I'm really glad to have you on. I'm so grateful you're willing to come on, kind of share your experience and your story. Um, especially with this podcast, we talk about, like I said in the intro, things that people often think but don't say. And so definitely having you on is really going to affect a lot of listeners. And I'm sure there's at least going to be one that might have gone through something you have gone through or might just be where you are today. So give us a little a little backstory and a little history. Where are you from? And kind of what's happened as a child that's led you to be where you are today. I'm from Alabama. That's where I was, you know, semi born and raised. I've I've lived many, many different places. I think my address list is longer than most. Um, you know, my parents split up when I was a very, very little baby. I have been through a lot between three different parental divorces, my narcissistic abusive mom, my dad who was in the military, so he wasn't always able to be around or to see what I was going through, um, or to be able to help, um, you know, sexual assault advances and sexual assaults growing up. And it's, it's been a wild ride, (laughs) but, um, you know, and I don't speak for the many, I just speak for myself and my experiences. So if someone else has a different view on things that I talk about, then, you know, that's absolutely okay. But 
I look at it as if my trauma and my experiences can help someone else through theirs, then that's what makes it all matter. So growing up and kind of going through this, did you ever have a fear of talking about your feelings, even when it came to like the sexual abuse, the sexual advantage, did you always feel like you were a victim? Because my previous episode, I was very vulnerable, talked about um, my sexual abuse experience and trauma. And I had that feeling of, I am guilty. I have this fear of blame and I have to protect my abuser at all costs because one, someone will not believe me. Um, two, especially when it comes to the childhood trauma, it's almost like, well, maybe you asked for it. It seems to kind of be that pinpoint. So did you have someone that you could talk to or were you kind of hiding, so to speak, your feelings and emotions? Um, kind of both. Uh, I can't tell you how many times you know, laying in bed in high school, especially because that's when I was kind of going through all the most. Um, I I can't tell you how many times I laid it awake at night, just wondering, like, what did I do to my mom to make her want to treat me like this? Like, it's got to have been something that maybe I did in a past life or if I did as a kid that just made this woman not want to treat me like I should have been. Um, mm-hmm. And. But then again, as I was in high school, I was starting to do the 4-H and FFA and I got into barrel racing and I met the most amazing set of support system in Ashland, Ohio that I have ever been able to get my hands on. I had people who were there supporting me at every horse show. They would always cheer for me, people that I could talk to absolutely about anything and that I knew would have my back regardless of what was going on. I think that's important that I I was raised personally, and like I said, you speak for yourself, I speak with my experience. Um, I was raised, because I think my mom was raised this way, of, and we see it all the time, and you know, I look back on even TV shows at the time when I was little and would listen to it. It was, we were all raised, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. People do not want, Absolutely. they don't want to be bothered by your problems. There's always somebody that has it harder than you, or they're going through something worse than you. And I think with possibly our generation, we were raised kind of on the border of our parents not speaking about feelings and not discussing anything to this new generation after us of, I mean, sorry, but they stubbed their toe and it's like a crisis world is beginning. So I think we're on that verge of we're in between of like, should I tell somebody my feelings? Should I not? Am I, is it safe? And that's where childhood trauma comes into this because when you go through trauma as a child, it leads to different types of how you interact with relationships. But I think it's also making this making this known to be the new normal that just because family is family does not mean that you cannot connect with friends or other support systems that are more healthy in a healthy behavior. I completely agree. Um they say blood or blood is thicker than water, but that is not always the case whatsoever. Um you mm-hmm. know, even in the time that I've known you, I've been able to open up and I know that if I ever need somebody to talk to, then I know I can call you and vice versa. Absolutely. Anytime somebody Mm -hmm. needs me or they need to just get it out in the universe, call me. If you don't want a response, cool. I'll just sit there. I'll let you rant. You'll get it out in the universe. That way it's off your shoulders because we always need Mm -hmm. to be able to open up and rather than just shut down and hold everything in is we need that 
either one person or a group of people that we can just put it on them because it it makes us be able to talk it out. Then you can, you know, even just be able to process what is going on in your day-to-day life. Has what happened to you as a child? Um, do you have this fear, I guess, growing up, depending on the age, do you ever have this fear of like, I'm not going to get attached to anyone. I'm not going to trust anyone because I do not want to be vulnerable and have something like this happen again. Um, I remember, um, my mom had a boyfriend, um, and he had a son and his son would come over and he was about my age, maybe a little bit older. And we were in my bedroom and he looked at me and he was like, like he would touch me inappropriately and he would continue to do it. And every time I told my mom about it, he would never do that. That's disgusting. And it just kind of like, well, if my own mom doesn't believe me whenever I tell her that this is happening, and I was like five or six years old, and I remember telling her this. I'm like, if she doesn't believe me now, she's not going to believe a word that comes out of my mouth, regardless of what it is. I'm sure that really altered, I guess is the best word, it really altered your relationship with your mom. Um, I feel like as females, we are raised by women to be strong women. And I feel that when they so-called, I don't even like saying this, but when they so-called fail us, when they do not meet the expectation that we feel that they need to be as a mother, um, how has that kind of, I guess, helped you in regards to your support system? Because I feel like when I talk to people and they've had childhood trauma, they always seem to not find a replacement because our parents will always be our parents. But we always seem to be drawn to someone that has the motherly figure, the motherly instincts then in our lives to that we go to of, you know, hey, I'm having this moment, I need to talk to you. But you feel that sense of compassion from someone that is in kind of that motherly role when this happens to you as a child. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, and I'll be honest, I try to surround myself with strong women, women who are not afraid to have a voice, who aren't afraid to stand up for not only themselves, but for everyone around them. So I can't tell you how many friends I like really, really good friends who I call their mom, mom, because these women have stepped into that role that I needed. And anytime I told them about what was going on at home, they would, all they would do was just hug me. One of my absolute mm-hmm. high school best friends, Anna, um, her mom, I, whenever I first told her everything that happened, she broke down in tears and she was like, I am so sorry. And all she did, she just wrapped me up in a hug and she bawled. And I'm just kind of standing there like, I don't know why you're saying sorry. This is my life. Like I'm, I'm used to this. Like, I don't know why you're, why are you crying? Like, what is, <laughs> what is the problem? Mm-hmm. And it took me a very long time to realize that that is absolutely a problem. Like that mm-hmm. what happened to me is not okay. And what is continuing to happen to other, you know, men, women, children, it's not okay. And it needs to be voiced. And, you know, they, they get us when we're children because it's easy to manipulate us. And mm-hmm. I have grown to say, fuck you. I have a voice. I have a backbone. I'm going to fucking use it. And I don't care what you say, because my mom Mm -hmm. still to this day makes me out to be a burden on everybody that is in my life. And I, that's a reason why I don't talk to her very much anymore. Like I got text messages from her earlier today and it was like two word responses for me. That's all she got. Do you know, cause I I'm a firm believer and obviously, you know, I'm big into science and medicine and, and what 
that what childhood trauma, even they're researching of what it does physically to the human brain. But I also believe that a lot of things, especially in regards to mental health, and I'm sure people will hear this and say, I don't agree. Or you may be like, yes, you finally said something. But I feel like a lot of mental health, they are forms of diseases. And I feel that they're generational. I really do. I feel that how someone is raised gets carried down and then you learn a behavior, which then turns into how you raise children or how you interact with other people. So did your mom have kind of the same relationship or similar like with her mother? Not with her mother. Um, My grandmother is one of the sweetest women you've ever met, which blows my mind that she produced (laughs) my mom. But it was my mom's (laughs) father. It was my grandfather. Um, You know, he grew up in the backwoods of Alabama. He's very, you know, old fashioned farm man and takes no crap. Like um, my mom would say that anytime her brother would get in trouble, she'd be getting, she'd get beat too, because if one was in trouble, then the other one wasn't far behind. Mm -hmm. So he would find excuses and, you know, every little thing to snap off. And he's still like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten screamed at by him. And I've just kind of looked at him and like, you're not going to talk to me like, like that. I don't care what the times were back when you were raising children. I said, but that is not okay. It's it's putting that generational foot down of things have changed. I'm now strong. And like you said, I have a voice. And I feel like that term, it's okay to not be okay, is becoming more acceptable for people to stand up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with childhood trauma, depending on, you know, the developmental age and when these things happen, I feel that it's very important to discuss this topic because- Children show and react and express trauma, pain in forms of behavior because they're not able to voice this a lot of times in their feelings because they don't know how to get it out or what to say. And signs for children can be sudden new fears. Some may not even be related. Um, Separation anxiety, sleep disturbances, random sadness or random anger, losing interest in normal activities, um, inability to concentrate. This is the number one thing. They go to school and they are they're not even able to take anything in. And I feel like it's really important to watch and really focus on these because I feel like parents probably look at this behavior as them acting out or lashing out. And then it just becomes more of a burden. Like you said, it's just a burden experience. So when we're talking about childhood trauma and your child suddenly stops talking or discussing things with you, and if they're very young and they have these behavior as society calls them, outbursts. So anything that's different from the normal, it's important to look at that and figure out, okay, something is going on where it's important to sit and talk, not only just to your children, but to each other. That's why we're doing this. Did you have experiences like that when you were younger of kind of like see me and hear me without being able to like express how you were feeling at the time? I, one actually stands out. Um, I... I was living with my dad in Florida and he and my stepmom were going through really bad fights. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had to pull my little sister out of the room because they would be throwing punches at each other. And my dad would have scratches all over his face and everything like that. So I would be like the protector and pull my sister out of that situation so that she didn't have to witness what I grew up with. Um, And I got expelled in eighth grade for possession, distribution, and use of marijuana on school property. 
and he was getting ready to deploy two weeks after that. And I think that was looking back now, I think that was my way of saying, please don't leave. I need you. Um, and he still left. And I was left with that feeling of abandonment because I was left with my stepmom. I didn't, you know, I wasn't blood related to anybody other than my little sister. And I felt like my stepmom was taking her anger out on my dad, on me while he was gone. So I was just completely heartbroken through all of that. And, um, you know, watch, started watching my stepmom out and party and smoking and doing all kinds of wild things that a child shouldn't have witnessed whatsoever. And it's interesting. I was doing a little bit of research and looking into this topic and childhood trauma and they state, they always say kids will heal or, you know, they will, they'll get over it. And it's always this term of like, well, you're young, you'll get over it. You know, I'm, I'm not worried. And it's interesting because, you know, the, the statistics out there between three to 15% of girls. So it's 3% to 15% for females and 1% to 6% of males will develop PTSD from childhood trauma. And I think it's really interesting. I don't know if it's just because we have ovaries and we're as, you know, men like to say, well, you're overly emotional. You're in your feelings. But it's interesting because all of the science and medical show that girls that obviously grow up to be women will develop PTSD from childhood trauma, almost triple the amount of males. And I I sat and, and just, it amazes me that childhood trauma happens every day. And we're starting to categorize different forms of trauma in different ways. It used to just be, oh, well, your parents, you know, they didn't speak to you nicely. Well, you were raised well. You were raised with discipline and punishment. And then it turned into mm -hmm. us coming and having a voice and saying, like, sexual abuse is not okay. And it's not something that you have to hide and be ashamed about when you grow up. So when, how old were you when you say you, you were when you actually started feeling I guess, comfortable of like sharing your story of, or putting your foot down and saying, you know what, this isn't okay. And what I went through changed me, but this isn't, it's, this never should have happened. Um, honestly, I think it was whenever I moved out of my mom's house because I was away from her. I felt like, you know, I could speak about what was going on without having that violent threat right there in my face. So it took me, it's taken me a long, long time. Like, if you had asked me to do this five years ago, I'd have laughed at you and said, I don't think so. Because it has taken, like, you know, I have taken the steps in myself and found so many amazing people in my life who I know will support me. And again, back to that saying, blood's not always thicker than water. Um, you know, my family is you guys. Like, my, my friends mm -hmm. are my family. I live in a state where I have zero blood relation. And I love that because everyone that I surround myself with is my family. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's taken a very, very long time. Um, and something that I do every day, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but after I get off work, if I've had a bad day or regardless of what my day has been, I set a timer for about an hour and I have a playlist on Spotify called Depression. And all I do is I blast sad songs. I give myself one hour to allow myself to be sad and to wallow in it. Then after that, I'm like, okay, time to pick myself up. It's time to push forward. And it's okay to move on. It's okay to not 
dwell on all of the sadness because if I do that, then I'm going to sink right back into not sleeping, not eating my, you know, depressive mindset. And I'm just, and I'm going to close myself off and I'm going to be who I was a long time ago. And I don't want to do that. So I'm fighting Mm -hmm. every single day to continue to progress. And I like that you shared that and said that because it's finding your own sense of therapy that you feel works for you. And I think when we talk about trauma, Mm -hmm. whether it was as a child, as an adolescent, as a senior, we all go through moments and it's part of our story. And I always tell people that are going through hard times, it's not the end of the book. It's just the end of a chapter. We never will pick up a book and start from the back. We start from the front. So you have to continue to go through. But it's finding what works for you to work through the traumas that you've experienced because everybody's trauma is different. Um, Mm -hmm. There's different Mm -hmm. types of attachment style as an adult once you've gone through childhood trauma. So I want to talk about these and see if maybe you're one of them or three of them or none of them. So I'm going to... I'm going to talk about okay. what the four are and say yes or no. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm a hundred percent like that's me. But if you're kind of there, I, I want to test and kind of see where you're at. Um, so there's four different types of attachment okay. styles that are caused by childhood trauma. And it's caused by specifically not feeling comfortable or so-called safe until you're an adult to talk about it. So the first one is, they call it being secure. It's you allow yourself to have healthy relationships and good levels of self-esteem that come and go, but you always have a sense of anxiety around every turn. It's hard. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Pieces of that one. Um, The next one is called ambivalent. You are very reluctant to get close to people and you're always worrying that the partner that you have is going to leave. (laughs) you hit the the head of the nail and i'm doing this too for listeners because as you hear this there's four of them so it's something to kind of see if maybe you fall into one category or all um the next one here the third one is avoidant you avoid any attachment style you have issues with intimacy and you do not let anyone get too close just because of the fear of abandonment is so high that one not so much and this last one because I wouldn't say I had like anything extremely traumatic. Um, My experience, like I said in my last episode, um, happened when I was 15 and it had nothing to do with my family, um, but it happened as a child. So I think that's important. I was 15. Um, I I mean, I kind of had like some dysfunction here and there, but I don't think there's any family that's perfect. We're all, we're all kind of thrown in a pot and we're supposed to make it. So this last one, (laughs) being vulnerable here, this last one is me and I fit this one to a T is disorganized, which is very weird, the title, because I have OCD to the max. I like everything in its place. I like just everything to be as routine as possible. But the disorganized is they tend to take on parental roles in romantic relationships. I feel attacked. (laughs) Yep, that one. And that last one, when I read the first word, I was like, disorganized? (laughs) No, that's not me. Like, I probably should be (laughs) medicated for my organizational issues. (laughs) But when I read that, it made me realize, like, wow. So, and it, it talks about when you're doing the work and you're doing therapy, whether it's journaling, 
meditating. I can't meditate. I, I just cannot. My brain will not shut off. I can't sit there. I think about, oh, I could organize my closet. <laughs> Did I color code my winter section from my summer section? Um, what am I going to make for meal prep next week? Or like, I just... Yeah, I can't meditate either. I've got ADHD and my brain just <laughs> will not will not allow me to do that. Yeah. So, but reading that, I'm like, they tend to take on parental roles in ro- in romantic relationships. And that out of all four of the attachment styles was the most voted in regards to childhood trauma and detachment issues from your own self and your own self-esteem, which I found very interesting. See, I do line up with that one, but I, I've, noticed recently that I do it not only in romantic relationships, but in my friendships as well. So, um, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, if, especially if my friends or my roommate, Chris, if he's going through a hard time or if any of my friends are struggling that I'm like that parent, like, Oh, I'm here for you. What do you need? Like, you know, let me, let me do what I can. Like, I'm one of those that like, okay, well, you don't deal with this. I got this. Like I will 100% try and take over so that I can help whoever I'm talking to, not be alone. When you chose to talk about your experiences and go into detail with those that are in your support system and close to you, was there a pivotal change moment of some people, when it comes to childhood trauma, they feel that they have the safety to talk about it when maybe there's a lot of anger in regards to an incident that happens years later and they're like, okay, now I'm stepping up or they feel sadness because sometimes there's a passing of someone that possibly was close to them or complete opposite. Was there a big pivotal moment that made you ready to talk about it? Or did you just internally just get tired? It's, it's exhausting holding on to all of that and trying to keep your walls up and put on a brave face and, it it's a it's mentally and emotionally exhausting to hold up and put on a front and just tell everybody nope I'm fine I don't need to talk I'm good I'm good and finally I just got to the point where I'm just I'm over it I'm tired of letting these people get away with the things that they did to me like it's it's not okay it needs to be addressed and I don't care if I have to talk about it until I'm 80 years old I'm going to talk about it because it's my story and the it's I saw it's actually funny. I saw a TikTok video the other day um and I completely agree with it. What we've been through doesn't make us who we are. Your decisions and your choices after mm-hmm. what happens is what made you who you are. I chose to be mm-hmm. strong and to finally hold people accountable for their actions and to not let it continue. And that's why, like, I'm 25 years old, and that's why I don't have any children yet. I don't plan to for a long time because I want to know that I am ready, and I know for a fact I will not continue the cycle that I was raised in. I will not do it. And I made that conscious mm-hmm. choice when I was 15 years old to not have any kids until I knew that I was 100% ready for it. The big key that that kind of links up with that disorganized role and almost all of the attachment styles. And um, I'm going to put you on the spot because I'm going to admit to this too. And uh, till I was put on the spot with a quiz, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to do a little bit more work on myself than I actually thought. Um, and that's why this podcast really has taught me so much because I have interviews with, you know, with guests like yourself and they're sharing their story. And 
it never fails. I get off every time. And I'm like, mm, well, I really just kicked myself in the face today. We need to do some more work. <laughs> like, But they talk about all four types of attachment style concerns is that we come out of trauma, no matter if it's physical, emotional, um, mental, or in regards to sexual abuse, we as the victim, which is the key word to use, we as the victim come out of this and seem to focus or find or get drawn to or sucked in or whatever word you want to use to people, both with friendships and romantic relationships, people that we feel have been through something, if not similar or the same, and people that we feel we can fix. Do you feel that? Damn. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I'm putting you on the spot today. <laughs> I, I don't look at it as like I'm trying to fix people. I look at it as I'm trying to give them, I guess it is fixing, but I'm trying to give people guidance and, you know, show them that there is a different life out there that they can lead that doesn't revolve around being angry or being sad or holding on to all of the the trauma and the pain it's okay to let go and it's okay to ask for help as she's looking because you can't see her she's looking right now on the video screen at, at her roommate. roommate i'm assuming <laughs> that's kind of like hey i'm saying this for listeners but i'm also saying this to you so i hope you're listening yeah <laughs> this is a kick this i call this the kick in the face moment it's like you know something's coming and it's like life kicks you in the face so yep. yeah, this is your roommate's kick in the face. <laughs> so um, for any of the listeners that may be um, struggling right now and they're not sure, you know, I don't have, I don't, I'm not comfortable with my family. I'm not talking, I'm not comfortable talking to my family. I understand that if it's um, maybe I don't have a good friend support system or I don't know where to find friends because a lot of times when you go through trauma as a child and you grow up as an adult holding this you have almost a sense of fear of even communicating with people because you just want to isolate. So for anyone who's listening, there is a company, they are online, they are incredible to use. Uh, it's called BetterHelp. You can go to their website, it's betterhelp.com. They do individualized therapy for what you need. So when you go online, it's very simple. You can do it from a computer, a tablet, a phone, and you go on their website, betterhelp.com. You can choose even if you want to do it individual for yourself. You can do it for couples. So you can do it with a partner. Uh, they also have it for teens and, and children. So it's an amazing opportunity. You take a quick quiz. It's just asking you questions about yourself. And they're actually the largest therapy platform worldwide. And their slogan, so to speak, is that they change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing the most convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a therapist anytime, anywhere, whenever you're ready. And I think that's key. It's when people are ready. And I mean, I know a lot of, a lot of people are like, well, I can't afford it. They offer an amazing opportunity that they have a financial aid program that you can complete after your registration. So if you don't have the money right now and you don't have anywhere to turn, you don't have anyone to speak to, um, you can go through, register, do just their quick little individual quiz, and they offer financial aid. So it's basically like you paying for a credit card 
but it's bettering yourself, which I think is really important. So I'll put that in the bio as well. Um, so if anyone wants to go there, if you go through, cause I did it last night, I'm going through a lot right now. I went through and I'm like, do I need a therapist? Like maybe, maybe I need to start paying some of my friends here because my life is just, there's so much going on. You can go through the test or the quiz or whatever you want to call it. And there's nothing that you're binded to. So even if you go through this, cause I did it. And if you go through it and you're like halfway through and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, maybe it's just my life moment. I'm a mess. I don't want to do it. You can, you can go through half of it, two questions, but it's really interesting to do it because some of the questions they ask you, I always call it, it's the kick in the face. And it kind of makes you feel that if these questions are being asked, it's for everybody worldwide that's getting these questions asked. So you're not by yourself and you're not the only one feeling this way. So if you have a listener right now that is kind of on that fence of, you know, I was sexually abused, I had sexual advances, um, I had childhood trauma of being screamed at, beat, or anything that could happen as a child, and they're listening to you right now, what would your advice be to them in regards to speaking and that relief feeling of when the time comes, this is what you should probably do for yourself? Because it sounds like you're doing a lot of work on your own, which is incredible to help yourself. So how do you how do you flip that switch in your brain of like, it's okay to face this head on? I, I kind of like had to hype myself up to it. And, um, you know, that first step, it's one of those like, I've already been through all of this. What more could these people do to me to make me not do it? Like if I, if I reached mm -hmm. out and if I said what I needed to say, what more can they do? They've already put you to this point to where you feel broken. You're sad. You don't want to reach out. You don't want to talk to anybody. Reach out, do it, make that change. Be that step that you need to take to God knows if you need to look at it as like you're helping someone else by, by doing it yourself do it make that step mm -hmm. because when i tell you your life well you the weight that will come off of your shoulders is incredible you'll be able to breathe and you're gonna cry <laughs> it's emotional mm -hmm. finally speaking out and find that one person that you know for a fact you can trust and just sit and say hey i just need to talk and i need to get it out there start with one small person and then make it you know a couple of people and then like I said, I'm still nervous as hell doing this right now, but I'm doing it because <laughs> I mean, if <laughs> Starbucks, Starbucks helped you a little bit. Oh yeah. I needed my <laughs> pick me up. But you know, if, if my story helps one person, then all of my trauma is worth it because, and I remember at, you know, seven or eight years old, my, the job that I wanted was to be a child psychologist so that I could help children go through these situations and help guide them to be better regardless of your surroundings, because your surroundings don't make you who you are. You, you do. Mm -hmm. And it, you got to find your internal strength and you have it. Everybody has it. You just have to find it. I think that's key because we live in, we live life. That's literally a roller coaster. You're going to have really good days where you feel really strong. And then you're going to have days that you're like, 
I don't even know who I am. I feel lost. I feel like I have no one. I feel like I'm alone. I have no one to turn to. Or if you're stubborn like me, it's I don't want to bother anybody with my problems. Everybody's got something going on. If I sit here, I was raised not like... Cause I mean, my mom, hi mom. I know my mom listens to this podcast, but I was, I was raised to be strong and I saw my mom was raised that way. And like I talked about the generation, my mom was raised. If something, unless something's funny, you're not smiling. You're not laughing. You're very poised. You're very classy. You deal with the shit on your own because it's just what you're supposed to do. And TikTok, like you said, TikTok helped me a lot because I went on and did the blue line stuff. And then I did the veteran support community and I started finding things that made me happy. And when you start finding things that, I guess, occupy your brain, it, it kind of makes you focus on the things that come out. And TikTok has been amazing. It's been an amazing support system. I've met you. I've met some of the most amazing people in the world. And it's crazy because we're all spread out. But you find that support system that there's things I'm not comfortable talking to my mom about. My family and I are not very close, but my mom and I are. And it's okay to have things that you share with your friends versus your family. Just because trauma happened in your family does not mean there's this sense of ownership of, okay, well, if you're happy, you better tell us. And if you're sad, keep it to yourself. So that's why we have you on of saying like, find your support system, find people who may be on the other side of the country. I have people that I just talked to on Snapchat this morning in Norway and they're like, hello. And I'm like, say that again. I love your accent, but it's, (laughs) it's finding people that may seem completely opposite of you. But when you start, like you said, when you start having your voice and you speak up, it opens an entire community of people that you're like, wow, okay, maybe I'm not alone. Maybe I'm not like just out there solo suffering because no one needs to suffer ever. Oh, absolutely. And just like you said, like I've got friends on Snapchat that are in the UK. They said a good friend of mine, Connor, I talked to him. Granted, we don't talk all the time, but I know that if I need to call him, he'll answer and vice versa. He'll call me if he needs to talk. Um, you know, I've got friends that are like you and out in Arizona. I'm like, well, I'm in Ohio and I've got friends all over the country that I have met, even in Canada, that, you know, if, if I need them, I can call them because, you know, we've been through all kinds of like I've known them for over a year now and some of the most amazing people that I've ever met. And I know that I can trust them with everything in me. It's definitely finding that sense of trust and the comfortability first with yourself of feeling ready to talk about it. Because, I mean, we could sit here and talk all day about this topic. If someone is not ready to share their story and they do not feel safe with themselves and their journey, you cannot force that out of someone. And I think that's really important to focus on as well. You can feel what someone has been through by having empathy towards them. You can see it usually in their mm-hmm. face when something is wrong. But until someone is actually ready and feels safe with themselves, do not force it out of someone. You can be the best person in the world, but do not force it because it has to be, I always call it your heart rehab. It's you doing the work and the therapy on your heart for yourself. And Mm -hmm. we're all different. 
all of our hearts beat the same, but we're all different in when we're ready to make that step to so-called feel better. So do you believe, cause I'm going to, I mean, I always ask, you know, these, these questions that make people go, is there a right or a wrong answer? Which there's not, but with your experience and what you've been through, do you believe in therapy? Do you feel that like medical so-called therapy works? Like, could it work for you or are you against it? I, so when I was a kid, um, my dad would take me to a therapist. Um, really, really nice lady. Can't for the life of me remember her name, but I remember that she was very easy to talk to. She had like this big playroom for kids. Um, you know, and I would talk to her about my mom and things that were going on at home. And, um, then as I got older, whenever I finally broke my, um, I was in middle school and my dad pulled me into a room and he was like, what's going on? And I finally, that was what really got everything into motion of me being like, oh, I can talk about this. It's okay. Um, and I told him everything that was going on. And that was the first man, first time I had seen a grown man break down in tears. And he sat and he just hugged me and he bawled and he said, I am so sorry. I had no idea of the things that I was going through. So he took me to someone that I could talk to. And again, he started fighting for custody. Um, and then as I got older, I was like, I don't need anybody. I can deal with this on my own. I'm strong enough. No, <laughs> I mm -hmm. was going through a really bad breakup. And because of everything had just been piled on top of me and I didn't have a good support system at the time. And I broke and I went and I, you know, went to a couple of sessions and it wasn't the right fit for me. So I stopped going. But then I was like, you know, I don't need to go to a a therapist per se, but I need to be okay with who I am and opening up and talking about it. That's the part that mm -hmm. was so hard for me is that it's okay to talk about the things that you've been through. And I think that was really what set it into motion for me. Um, so so it worked therapists work for some people like my roommate i kicked him in the butt and told him that he needed to go <laughs> because i told him that uh he needed someone that he could depend on that because he even has trouble trusting me because of his childhood trauma that's how he deals with it so i told him i said mm -hmm. i said well, you need to find somebody that you can talk to that you know for a fact with the doctor patient confidentiality they cannot go to anybody and tell anyone what you say mm -hmm. so some people have that and it works for some people and some people don't so it's that one is a kind of a double-sided sword there <laughs> i just ask because i don't want this podcast and these topics to be oh you have this feeling go to a therapist oh you're having this go into therapy. Um, because I get feedback a lot of times and I ask people's opinions and I'm one of those people that therapy does not work for me. And I don't want this podcast to be like, oh, well, this is a therapy pusher because I don't believe in therapy. And it's crazy because I mean, I don't like podcasts and yet here I have <laughs> one. And so, um, the views and the opinions and the things that we talk about, yes, are things that, you know, kind of get you in your brain and get you thinking, which even talking like this today, there may be things that when you talk to somebody, you'll get triggers or you'll get memories or flashbacks or moments where you're like, 
okay, I thought I was so much further advanced in my healing process than I am. So I don't, I hate even saying, I don't believe in therapy only because it just doesn't work for me. And instead of holding it in, I just did this podcast episode last weekend that I probably had sitting and recording from what happened to me when I was 15. I think I had it saved in my drafts for a month because it was this fear still of I've done the healing. I've done the so-called work on my side, but I'm so scared for people to associate this happening to me as me. And it was, okay, yes, this happened to me. But like you said, it doesn't define you. It's only what you do from now forward. And I don't believe in therapists. I'm a big journal writer. I'll literally write till my finger falls off. And if you're not sure about therapy, go for a run, go work out, go do something. Like she said, she does it for an hour a day. Get your feelings, get your emotions, figure out what that moment is for yourself um journaling for me is really therapeutic I mean granted half the time my, my hand hurts so bad I get mad at myself but it helps because I'm able to write stuff down and go back in my strong moments and read those and see how far I've come and I'll admit I do I did have trust issues too I mean I I wrote in my journal and I know my mom read my journal when I was growing up and I probably talked about boys and how she didn't give me enough money for an allowance and how I wanted a cool car or something. But when you get older, it's almost this fear of if somebody reads this, what are they going to think? So if you, if you go through this and you write in therapy, your form of therapy is writing. You don't have to keep it. Um, I've done it where you write your feelings down and your anger and all your negativity, burn it. Absolutely. Get rid of it. So. I highly encourage people to find what works for you because everyone is different. Everyone's experience and trauma is different. Your heartbreak is different. But like she said, never be afraid to share something because it's not, it doesn't define you. It's just a moment that happened to you and it's what you do with it to move forward and possibly change somebody's life. Because in the process, you will change yours without you even knowing it. But I wanted to thank you so much for coming on, talking about how trauma in your childhood has brought you to where you are. Um, I met you of all places on TikTok, which is crazy because I keep having these interviews with people and at the ending, I'm always like, oh, I met you on TikTok. But it's a big community and yeah, there's some bad apples in there. But if you stay true to who you are and tell your story like she's doing, you'll meet amazing people. So I just want to tell you, I'm really proud of you because I know you were nervous to come on. (laughs) and um you know just throwing this out there but if you want to put my tiktok in the bio too that way you know if Mm -hmm. people that are listening don't feel comfortable reaching out to their own family or whatever reach out to me i will do everything in my power (laughs) that i can to help whoever and whoever i can so if anybody ever needs me i am always here and for any listeners just remember you are never too old or too far removed to seek help for something that happened when you were a child. Please know that you can always start loving yourself and working on yourself and seek help from anyone, whether it's a therapist, a friend, or creating your own trust and support system. Your thoughts and feelings are valid, and it's your story and experience, and they are just as valid now as they were then. So no matter what form of trauma you experience in your life, 
It is a form of abuse. You are a victim and it is okay to reach out because it's never too late to seek help. So thank you for coming on. You're you're amazing. I'm always a phone call or a text away. You know that. And I just appreciate you so much and your friendship. Thank you so much for tuning in with me and spending your time hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and a special thank you to all our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. If you have any tips or topics, feel free to email me at littlebitoflifecast at gmail.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at littlecute1az. You never know if your topic will be next. Be sure to join me again for another episode of Little Bit of Life. Until next time, stay positive, stay blessed.